Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. My message today is called, I Will Build My Church. How many of you know God wants to build His church? And how many of you know that when God wants to build His church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against His church? So whatever you're facing, whatever you're seeing as a giant, nothing is going to knock the church of God down. And when it comes to building a church, there are pillars of building a church. And the most important pillar, in my opinion, is the pillar of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're just going to dive right into scripture, Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now the disciples and all the followers. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Are you guys cool with a bit of a tough love message this morning? I've got a bit of a tough love message, so it's going to be, I think it'll be impactful if you're willing to hear it. Well, I want you to imagine real quick, all three of those things that I just read happened in this room today. Imagine a deafening wind just comes blowing through this massive room and it's loud. It's shaking this building. It's louder than your worship this morning. It's louder than an ACDC concert. I've never been to one, but I imagine it would be a very loud concert. It's, and then I want you to imagine a giant fireball is just floating in the center of this room. You'd be like, oh my word, what kind of drugs are they pumping through the air vents at Awakened Church? And it's blazing and it's hot and you're freaking out. And all of a sudden it starts separating into these four to five inch little flames hovering over every single one of your heads this morning. And you turn to the person next to you and you're like, dude, your hair's on fire. And they're like, dude, your hair's on fire. And then me, because I have too much hairspray in my head, I'm completely engulfed in flames this morning. <laughs> You'd be freaking out. And then imagine that the words that are coming out of your mouth are not English. It's a language you've never spoken before. And the person next to you is speaking a language they've never spoken before. And then you realize everybody in this building is speaking a different language that they've never spoken before. You'd be thinking to yourself, I'm so glad I did not skip out on church this morning. This was a good weekend to come to Awaken Church. Now, some of you may not know that there was a greater method to all of this madness. These weren't just random things that happened. There were three very specific signs that God wanted the disciples to understand as we accompanied the arrival of the Holy Spirit, who is the third part of the Trinity. First of all, let's talk about this sound of a violent wind. This was to let every Christ follower know that a divine power is going to sweep over their lives in a brand new way in a way they'd never seen before. You know, during Jesus's three-year ministry, power, supernatural power, was only available to Jesus. And by that, I mean he was the one who fed the multitudes. He was the one who healed people. He was the one who resurrected people. He was the one who, um, who calmed the sea. And if you as a follower happen to go order a coffee down the road and you're in line and you missed the whole thing, you missed it. 
because power was only vested in Jesus Christ at that time. But now, a supernatural seismic shift is happening, and this sound of a deafening violent wind is a signal to every single Christ follower that the power of the Holy Spirit is now available to you. Anytime, any place, to any common rank and file Christ follower. You see, this is a brand new thing. It blew the minds of people back then, and might I add, it's still a stretch for Christians like us to understand that the Holy Spirit really is available to you whenever you need him. You know, after church, a lot of times I'll go in the lobby and I'll have people come up to me and be like, Aubrey, I had the worst week at work. I had to do a presentation. I didn't know what to say. I was so stressed. It didn't even go well. And I'm like, you know, you had the power of the Holy Spirit to call upon, right? And they're like, no, actually I don't because I thought that was only for ministry and holy things. I didn't think the Holy Spirit cares about my everyday work, does he? Absolutely, because on the day of Pentecost, his power was made available to you anytime, any place, and to anyone. Or maybe you're a mother who's trying to raise a 15-year-old daughter, and she is mixed up and confused in this culture right now. She doesn't understand who she is, what she is, and you're at a loss for words. You're like, I don't know how to parent this young girl. I don't know what to do. I'm about to give up, but no. You have the power of the Holy Spirit, the great helper to call upon. You can ask for wisdom. You can ask for guidance. You can ask for a scripture to provide you with some kind of insight on how to guide this young girl. Friends, the Holy Spirit is really available to you. That sound of a deafening violent wind was a signal that you can call upon him whenever you need him. You have the power of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. Now, secondly, what about these tongues of fire? Anybody else, when you were a kid, imagine like literally just tongues on fire on people's head? That's literally how I imagined it. But they were actually these four to five little inch flames. And imagine that this fireball is just floating in the middle of this, this auditorium. And you're terrified. Now, look, I'm glad people would be terrified. It says the disciples were terrified about this fireball because we'd have some serious conversations to have if you were not concerned about a giant fireball floating in the middle of the building. Like, you obviously have zero fire safety training. But even scarier is these, these, this fireball splits into these four and five inch little flames floating over everybody's head. Now, here's the interesting part. Over every man and woman's head. It wasn't gender biased. Over every old and young head, it wasn't age biased. Over every poor and rich head, it wasn't economically biased. And this symbol of flames hovering over everybody's head, it's packed full of super, supernatural spiritual significance. And here it is, get this. For thousands of years, there was a distinction between laity and clergy, priests and common people of faith. And it was understood that the priests, they had the hotlines to God, or so we thought. And they were special people. They could solve sins. They could speak in public. They could pray the prayers in public. They did the counseling. They did the marrying and the burying. And if average people like you and I dared touch the work of a holy man, oh my, severe consequences would take place. That was just how the system worked. Until the arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And there's this deafening wind that says my power is available. And these flames over everybody's heads saying, get this, here it is. Every follower 
is now a minister. And everyone is on even standing ground with this special anointing to carry out the purposes of God on planet earth. And the distinction on this day between clergy and laity has been demolished. So much so that Peter goes out into the streets right after this happened. And a crowd of thousands of people surround him and they say, we've got questions, Peter. We've heard about this risen Christ. We've heard about the chaos in this upper room. What's happening, Peter? And Peter's looking around because he's like, I'm not clergy. I can't speak on this. Is anybody around to speak on this? And then he goes, oh, wait a second. I understand now. Those flames represented an anointing to become a minister. And this commercial fisherman, he preaches his first sermon. And 3,000 people were cut to the core and crossed the line into salvation because of a non-pastoral type of man. This huge shift, it turned the Christian world upside down. God took the box of what a minister should look like and he smashed it. He said, I don't think the church understands how I intend for ministry to be done. We still don't understand how God intends for ministry to be done because I don't think we've grasped yet how significant this supernatural shift was and what it means for you sitting in your seat today. You know, this past week, I was reading the accounts of the early church in Acts, and I kind of got emotional because it dawned on me that out of this supernatural shift, the miracle of the church was quite literally birthed because of this shift that happened. Let me read to you what happened after this shift happened in Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to imagine with me real quick that there was a community of people who just loved God wholeheartedly so much so that they devoted their entire lives to his word, to the apostles' teaching. There once was a community of people who prayed bold prayers and miracles and signs and wonders followed. There once was a community who loved one another radically, so much so that they called each other brother and sister and socioeconomic walls broke down. Gender walls broke down. Racial walls broke down. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, which simply means... They took their masks off and stopped pretending like they were really great Christians and just got real with one another. There was such a love and concern for one another that they sold their possessions. They sold their property so that someone in the church did not go on with an ongoing need. They said, I don't really need this. My sister is suffering. Let me pay so that she doesn't have to suffer any longer. And the worship 
The worship that flowed from this community, it impacted their entire neighborhood. So much so people every single day said, I wanna be a part of that. And they added to their number in the faith daily. Anybody want that in your church? Adding to the faith daily, I want that. I read that accounts of the Acts 2 church and I almost had a heart attack. Because I thought to myself, why can't that happen here today? Why can't we have a group of people who devote themselves to the word of God completely? Why can't we have a group of people who pray bold prayers and we see miracles and wonders follow? Why can't we have a group of people who love one another radically, that we call each other brother and sister and we give to one another as we have needs? Why couldn't we have a community where the worship was so powerful that everybody had to see what was going on in that church? Why can't that happen? Is God no longer on the throne? Has the Holy Spirit just lost its punch? Has the gospel lost its power to transform human lives? Why can't we see this today? And right now, some of you are getting amped up. You're like, yeah, I agree. This needs to happen. And some pastor needs to step up and make this happen. And right now you're looking at the front row and you're thinking, one of you is not listening to the nudges of the Holy Spirit because we want to see that here. So wake up, pastors. If this is going to happen, a pastor is going to do this, right? Well, let me share with you some Dream City Church history. This year, Dream City Church is turning 100 years old, which is a huge deal for churches. A lot of time churches hit that 60 year mark and they start declining, but Dream City Church just keeps thriving and I'm so proud to be a part of it. But for the first 60 years of this church, we ran between 100 and 400 people. And the way this church worked is gonna be shocking to you. It's the way churches still work in America today. The people would hire a pastor, and they would put him on the stage every year and review how he did. Now, this pastor, he did all the ministry, and the people just received. He did the marrying and burying. He did the preaching. He did the visitation. He did the counseling. He did it all. And every year, the people had the right to put him on the stage and say, do we like him? Do we want a new pastor? Mm, you fired Donald Trump version. They find a whole new pastor to perform those priestly duties. Now notice here, the people are the ones who are being ministered to. They're always receiving. The pastor is always giving. We had a bunch of fat Christians going on. Now this is still the mindset of 95% of churches in America. And it's been problematic for hundreds of years. Well, in 1979, my grandfather, Tommy Barnett, arrives on the scene in Phoenix, and he casts this red-hot vision, and he says, there once was a community that came out of nowhere, and it shook this entire world, and there ought to be a community like that here in Phoenix, Arizona, that comes out of nowhere and rattles this city awake, and the people said, yeah, pastor, we agree. That's why we hired you, so make it happen. Assemble your little dream team, and we'll cheer you on from the audience. Who's the dream team, Pastor Tommy Barnett? And he dropped a bomb on them. He said, Acts 2, supernatural community churches are not built by pastoral types. They're built by the people who have the heart to do it. 
And then he explained to them, because of that day of Pentecost, every single one of you has the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Every single one of you is anointed to become a minister. There's no longer a distinction between laity and clergy. You don't need theological seminary degrees. You don't have to go to Bible college. You are equipped by the Holy Spirit. Now keep in mind, 99% of the people who attended Dream City Church back then were business marketplace people. They had dreams of building their own businesses. They didn't care about pastoral stuff. But as grandpa explained to them that you are equipped by the Holy Spirit, they started to think and they said, you know, I thought I was off the hook, but maybe in fact I'm on the hook, just like Pastor Tommy is on the hook. Listen, there's so many important things that need to be done in our world in the name of Jesus Christ. There are so many important things that need to be done in your school, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your community. Yet so many of us know the need, but we take ourselves off the hook because we just don't feel like a pastor, because we just don't feel like clergy. You say to yourself, well, I paid the tithe around here. I work hard, I pay my tithe, you hire your little staff, and I'll enjoy from the audience. For what it's worth, I don't feel like a pastor. I really don't. I went to Bible college, I didn't fit in with those freaks. They're a bunch of weirdos. These kids are smart. And I went to the, ba the Barnett School of Ministry and Theology, and the pastors are looking at the professors are looking at me, saying, "Aubrey, what do you think about the hermeneutical translation of the Holy Spirit in the first edition? Something, something." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and then, of course, the kid in the back's like, "I know, I know. I look like an idiot." For what it's worth, I don't feel like a pastor, but here I am, forwarding the kingdom of God forward. You have that power as well. I'm nothing special. I'm just equipped by the Holy Spirit, just like you are today as well. The point I'm trying to make is the majority of Christ's followers take themselves off the hook because they're just not licensed clergy. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and said to each of us, I am available to you. I have placed gifts in your life. And there's no longer a distinction between clergy and laity. All you have to be is a fired up follower of Jesus Christ who says they'll do what the Holy Spirit tells them to do in their church, in their school, in their marketplace, wherever. We are all on the hook. Let me just get that clear. We are all called to do something. We are all qualified ministers. This is the supernatural shift. This is the priesthood that came into being on the day of Pentecost. Now, by the way, not only does God place all of us on the hook, but he equips us with the gifts we need to do what he calls. Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It's important to understand that God not only calls you to be a minister, but he also equips you with the gifts you need to become that minister as well. Now, what are spiritual gifts? 
Spiritual gifts are the divine abilities that God has given to every single one of us so that we have a special capability to do some sort of ministry. Some of you have never been told that as soon as you become a real Christ follower, that God gives you spiritual gifts in your life. And every single one of you in this room have at least one. A lot of you have more than one. I have three. My first one is leadership. My second one is teaching. And my third one is discernment. Now look, these are gifts that God has poured into my life. I didn't ask for them. I don't deserve them, but I am required to steward them. So if I've been given the gift of leadership, God expects that I'm going to pick up the reins in some sort of way in the kingdom of God and propel his kingdom forward with my leadership gift. He's expecting that. You know, when I was 18, I had my entire life planned out. I was going to fashion school in LA. I was gonna to go to FITM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I had been training with a seamstress. I knew how to sew. I did the sketches. I was meeting with a bunch of different um, designers and artists and showing them. They're like, you've got what it takes. I've already done the college you know, tour and all of that. I'd done it all. I was ready to go, about to sign the papers. And one day my dad comes to me and he goes, Aubrey, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. He goes, as your father, it is my responsibility to make you aware of the spiritual gifts that I see God has placed in your life. He says, you have the gift of leadership, Aubrey. God has anointed you to forward his kingdom in a special way that not many people can do. He goes, anybody can go to LA, strut the streets in your cute outfits and start a store. He goes, but I really believe that God is going to use you for his kingdom in a mighty way. He goes, it's not my will to push you into ministry. That's not something you can do to anyone. Someone has to choose to go into ministry. He goes, but I see it in you. And thank God I listened to him. I look at LA now, I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm not in nasty LA. That place is crazy. It was a different world back then. But thank God, because you know what? We're all gonna stand before Christ someday. And he's gonna ask us, how did you use those gifts that I've given you? And he's going to respect a response, expect a response for every single one of us. We've got a lot of leaders in this church. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. Hear my heart here. We've got a lot of leaders in this church who use 99% of their leadership gift to propel forward a business enterprise. And then the kingdom of God gets the leftovers of your gift. You don't lead people here. You don't lead initiatives here. You don't take up any responsibility. You say, I'm off the hook, okay? I pay my tithe. I hire your staff. I'm off the hook. I lead in the marketplace. Well, Aubrey, are you saying we shouldn't lead in the marketplace? No, I'm not saying that. I believe God's anointed you to lead in the marketplace. But you should also capture a certain amount of your leadership horsepower to propel forward the kingdom of God as well. Because that's why the gifts were even given to you. It's for the kingdom of God. And when you do, I promise you, you will feel the thrill of God in your life when you use his gifts in the way that they were intended to be used. You've all been given gifts. Some of you have the gift of teaching. They're going to put some on the screen right now. Administration, hospitality, giving, helping, mercy. By the way, it's not my job or Pastor Matt and Loren Tuggle's job to help you figure out how to use those gifts. That's your job. You need to discover what those gifts are. You need to take initiative and deploy them in the kingdom of God because all of us are gonna stand before God someday. 
And we're all going to be on the hook. We're all going to have to respond and say, this is how I used those gifts. This is how I served the kingdom of God. And just so you know, God doesn't care about theological training diplomas. Because on Pentecost Day, a supernatural shift happened, and every rank-and-file Christian became a minister with spiritual gifts and was expected to minister. All you really need is a willing heart. And God says, you'll do just fine. When I think about the leadership of Dream City Church, a lot of our leaders are non-pastoral types. We have a man named Saeed Husseini who leads our largest prayer ministry Ever. I mean, it's one of the biggest prayer ministries in the nation. It's called Global 365. And they've seen huge healings from cancer. They've seen all of these miracles take place. And they pray all around the world as people live stream in. Saeed was just a businessman. Wow. He was an ex-Muslim. Wow. He wasn't a pastor. He didn't have any theology degrees. But God said, you'll do just fine. Yeah. You have a willing heart. Luke Meredith at our Short Creek Dream Center. A lot of you volunteered. It's in your neighborhood here, the Short Creek Dream Center, Colorado City. He was just a medic in war, a military man. But God says, I'm going to use you to shift an entire city that has been riddled with, with hurt and pain from religion and sexual abuse. I'm going to use you because of your willing heart. And then I think of the elders of Dream City Church which are very, very important because they make sure the church is healthy and sound, that the money is going to the right place of the people. That's a very important job. But when I look at those elders, not one is a pastoral type on our board. We have an engineer, a CEO, an owner of a bank, an architect, no pastors at all. But God says, you're willing to use your discernment gift for me? Absolutely, you'll do just fine. You have a willing heart. Tell me what would happen if several hundred of us who call Awaken Church Salt Lake City our spiritual family got totally usable before God? What if we opened our chest cavities and said, fill me with your Holy Spirit, use me. I just want to be used by you, God. What if we diligently discovered what our spiritual gifts were and diligently deployed them into this house? What if we prayed bold prayers and saw miracles answered? What if we went into our various places of employment and saw ourselves as a pastor? You know, I was in Chick-fil-A once and I was eating a big sandwich, the spicy chicken sandwich, it's so good. And I'm digging into this sandwich, I'm going at it. And I keep noticing this lady in the booth next to me is staring at me like this. As I've got a big sandwich in my mouth, I'm like, what do you want? And then she runs up to me and she goes, Pastor Aubrey. I'm like, oh my word, I am so evil. This is a person from the church who knows me. I'm being so mean. And she goes, I need prayer right now. My daughter's run away from home. She's on drugs. She's with a very dangerous man. Can you just pray right now? And in our neighborhood Chick-fil-A, I wrapped my arms around her, prayed for her, encouraged her. And I thought to myself, what about the thousands of people that we all know who don't have access to a neighborhood pastor? What happens to them? Do their needs just go unmet? Here's my question for you. Do you see yourself as that pastor? Would you step into that situation and say, I am a minister. Let me pray for you. 
Let me encourage you. Let me provide you some scripture in my driveway, in my office cubicle, in this Chick-fil-A here today because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I am equipped by the Holy Spirit and I am a minister of Jesus Christ. Well, you are that. Whether you see yourself as that or you don't, you are a minister because God made you that on the day of Pentecost. He smashed the box of who is and who is not. And he says, you are one of them. And I keep wondering what awakened church Salt Lake City would look like 10 years from now if all of us were filled with the Holy Spirit and acted like the ministers that Jesus Christ sees us to be. We'd rock this world. Speaking of rocking this world, maybe you're wondering, I get the significance of the wind. I get the significance of the fire, but what's going on with these languages? I don't quite get that one yet. Well, it's important to note that the languages they were speaking were not the tongues of the Holy Spirit, which is your personal heavenly language, and it's a very important part of your Christian journey. They were speaking in foreign languages of the people who were coming to Jerusalem that day to do business in Jerusalem. And Acts 2.11 tells us this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Aubrey, what was that all about? Very simply, the Holy Spirit was saying to that little downtown Jerusalem church, you're going global, gang. This message of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than your little neighborhood church. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and make disciples. Mark eleven seventeen, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. God loves the world. Jesus died for the world. And to church must take its message into all the world. That's why Dream City Church has 300 dream centers all over the world. That's why you guys send disciples and missionaries out all the time to impact people all over the world. For faces you'll never see again, for people who can do nothing for you in return. Why? Because God loves the world. Aubrey, are we under challenge in our own city? Absolutely not. But God wants this church to impact not only this city, but the entire world as well. Now, some of you right now are hearing this message and you don't know who Jesus is. You don't have a relationship with him. And you're rocked to the core right now because you're saying, you're telling me that there's a God who loves me so much that he would trust me with the name minister? You're telling me that there's a God who's given me gifts to propel his kingdom forward? You're telling me that I'm not just a speck of dust floating in the wind that is life. There's more? There's more than the daily grind? Yeah. God loves you so much that he sent his son down from heaven to die a gruesome death on a cross to be the lamb of God for all of our sins, to break off the chains of those sins that you do that no one knows about, those thoughts that you think, those things you feel so much shame about. He broke those for you. And today he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to use you. The Bible says when you were in your mother's womb, he knew the plans he had for you. He knew the gifts that he would give to you. He says, I know how to do life the best way. And I want you to be a part of that. Would you join me today? Would you know me today? I love you and I want to know you. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. If anybody here today is saying, I don't know this Christ, or maybe 
I've known Christ and I've not known Christ and today's the day I just need to rededicate that because I have a new understanding of the love that this Christ has for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you, I see those hands. Thank you so much, I see those hands. Now I'm gonna pray a prayer and I want you to repeat after me with a genuine and repentant heart. The Bible says when you mean these words that you say, today, instantly, you were born again. A new life, a new relationship has begun. Everything that you're shameful of, everything in your past is wiped clear. So would you just repeat this prayer, one full body in this house. Dear Heavenly Father, today, I want to know you, or I want to rededicate my life to you. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for trusting me with the name minister. Thank you for your gifts that you've given to me. Today, Lord, I apologize. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, but you are. Thank you for your son who died on a cross for me. I accept and receive him today. And today is a new beginning. I can't wait to fall in love with you again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I'm not done, I've got a challenge here for every single Christ follower, because you should all be Christ followers now, in the room. First of all, you are all ministers. So just get that through your head. Whether you want to be or you don't, You are a minister of Jesus Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been equipped with spiritual gifts. You have God in your corner cheering you on. Sometimes I think you guys look at the pastors on this stage and you think, wow, they must be something really special. Absolutely not. I'm just a girl who was meant to go to fashion school, walk the streets of LA in a cute outfit, but I accepted the God call on my life. And because of that here today, I am propelling forward the kingdom of God. The same power that was used with me can be used with you this morning as well. You have that power. You have that anointing. You're not off the hook, just like I'm not off the hook. You're going to be held accountable before God someday, just like I'm going to be held accountable by God someday. You have to be so seized by this idea that you've been made adequate. Some of you have been told your entire life you're not adequate, you're a loser, you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything you do. Well, the Holy Spirit, who that's the only voice I care about, says you are adequate. I have equipped you to be a minister for Jesus Christ. You are adequate, and you have to start seeing yourself as that minister today. Now, some of you in this place, you've put yourself on the hook. I see you, you're all here serving. You're using your gifts for the kingdom of God. Thank you for doing that. Thank you, volunteers and servant leaders. But some of us, I told you this is a tough love message, attend here on a weekly basis, give your offering, check the box, I attended church this week and that's it. And you know I'm talking to you today when I say it's time to wake up, awaken church, and use your gifts for the glory of God. You guys are in the middle of a revival and we need more people. We need more Christians who will wake up, discover your gifts and deploy them for the kingdom of God. Wake up, wake up, wake up. 
it's time to wake up and you know it and you're not ashamed of it, I want you to come down to the altar right now. Anybody want to wake up? Anybody? You want to do something for the kingdom of God? Come to the altar. Come on. Are you tired of sitting on the sidelines and cheering everybody else on and watching the miracles take place? Or do you want to be a part of this great commission that God has placed on every single one of our lives? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come to the front. Come on. This is your moment. It's time to wake up. Let this be a declaration to your church. I am joining the good fight. I am joining in on this revival. Count me in. Amen. I'm so encouraged by this, and let me tell you why. Because this right here is prophesying what's going to happen in Salt Lake City. 10 years from now, because of this group here who says, I am usable before God. Lord, use me. I just want to be used by you more than anything on planet Earth. God's going to use you. And he's going to shake this city because of the people here today who said, I'm ready. I am here. I'm a minister. I am a neighborhood pastor. Deploy me and use me. Well, today, I want you to imagine this is your graduation ceremony from pastor school. And I'm gonna commission you here today, so would you just hold your hands out right now. I now commission you as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, having full access to the Holy Spirit and having been graciously entrusted with spiritual gifts. I declare you adequately equipped to fulfill the calling of God on your life as you move through this world. I commission you to speak the words of God and to be the hands and the feet of Christ to this generation. I exhort you to live in a manner that glorifies Christ, to love in a manner that draws people to Him. I exhort you to overcome temptation, to endure hardship, and above all else, keep the good faith so doing, you will lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and experience in this life the life that is truly life. And as you do, you will sense the smile of heaven and you will hear the words of God someday. Well done, good and faithful servant. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every new minister we have ready in this place. Thank you, Lord, for their willing hearts. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them words. Give them visions. Give them prophecies, Lord. Draw them near to people who need your word, who need to know you. Equip them to be neighborhood pastors. We're ready, God. We want revival in Salt Lake City. And it starts with the people of God. And we are ready to shake this city. This will no longer be a Mormon city. This will be a Christian city for the glory of God because of the people here in this place who said, I am willing. I am a minister. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for trusting us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. 
We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.